at exactly 1.20 a.m. in zero seconds! Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? that comes on all the time and is always on it seems like you know you could be going to a friend's house and it might be on or you know reruns of it constantly I mean it's kind of one of those things where like I've always watched it there's a couple of movies like this but it's a movie that I've kind of always watched my entire life in, in a way like, if th- does that make sense what I'm saying I think so I, I would say like Tremors is more like that for me like you know, I it's feel like less for me to find that. I'm just like I feel like Tremors is always on TV somewhere. At least it always was when yeah. we were younger. Yeah, um, yeah. This no, is, this this is one of those movies that I, I seriously think that, in a way, it's always on. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to even think of another movie like that. Really. Mm. Um, well, it's one of those ones we've talked about this before. One of those perfect movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like well, and just you see the cast as it rolls on, right? Mm-hmm. The entry, the start, and I, I don't mean to keep on interrupting. I, know, I just haven't done this in a while, so I it's was like say, I don't have much, yeah. so it's good. If it's you, like I'm a tightly wound, <laughs> I need you to throw out as much as you can during this because <laughs> I just didn't get as much notes as I usually do. But you start this movie right, and the entrance credits, you know, for everybody in this movie or everybody that's a part of this movie, right. starts filming, and you're like, holy crap. I mean, just the star after star after, you know, back then in 85, it wasn't, it wasn't really as big, I guess you could say it, it wasn't as biggest movie of the year. Well, I meant, I meant like, like, like the stars and stuff were just kind of getting started. A lot of these right. guys, you know, like Christopher Lloyd, even, you know, and Michael J. Fox, you know, they, they really didn't even want Michael J. Fox at the beginning when they were originally doing this. They, they didn't necessarily have him in mind per se, but it was kind of like, well, they did because he was a star at the time. Yeah, if you watch movies that made yeah. us, they talk about how they, he was their first choice, actually, and they they wanted him badly. But basically, he didn't even get they didn't even get to talk to him because they were just told he's too busy. That's right. That's like, right. Because he was he was doing uh, different strokes. Yeah, family ties. Family ties. I always yeah. get those two mixed up. <laughs> uh, Black family, white. Yeah, family, yeah, yeah. Same thing. <laughs> um, no, but family ties was like top of the charts at the time and I'm pretty sure that probably has a lot to do with why he was cast Mr. Alex P. Keaton yeah I like in the, I one mean, of the newer of Stranger yeah. Things where Steve Harrington's like I'm pretty sure Alex P. Keaton like was uh, was trying to date his mom or something like that <laughs> so funny but it's it's funny because it's like <clears throat> you know what did you do a top five list of uh, time travel movies oh, do you think uh, I already got mine written out I forgot to tell you ooh. I want to put this movie on my on my list, but this movie made me not watch Ethan Hawke movies for years. Okay, but here's a rule I had for myself. Okay. Things like 
Oh, I get a idiocracy. I was going to put idiocracy, but that's not time travel. No. So what I'm talking about is using technology or a wormhole or something to actually travel back in time. Because there's a lot of time travel movies that are that are labeled as time travel, but it's really just like they're hibernating for a thousand years. And so they wake would up. you consider a comedic time travel movie a still Name a time? Hot Tub Time Machine. Yep, because yeah. they actually use something to okay. time travel. But I'm talking about stuff like like Idiocracy, where he just gets put in a sleep chamber for right. 2,000 years or whatever it is. Hmm. Go with yours, and I'm just going to kind of go through mine. I, I know kind of... Okay, and if it if it if it oh. is if it is like a technically a not time, it's fine. We can cheat. I, I know what my number one would be. Okay, well let's here's let's start right here. My number five would be Flight of the Navigator. Wow, man, I remember, remember that, that as a movie? kid. Yeah, where he's in the spaceship, and then he goes, and when he comes yeah. back, when he comes back, he gets out of the ship thinking he's going home, but it's twenty years later. He's gone missing. His brother, his younger brother, is now older than him. And they okay. were wondering whatever happened to him. And they, he found out he traveled into the future. Okay. So that's my number five. My number five. Ooh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. You want to just? No, I think mine will be uh, Happy Death Day. Yeah, I guess that's time travel. Because you're traveling forward, then back, then forward, then back, then forward, then back, then forward. It's it's nothing See, but and travel. That, I was gonna say Groundhog's Day was you one of those. Say that but that's too, that's ground, but I mean that's like really just reliving. But the it's still my number right? five. I think I want to stick with that okay, one. Okay, that's my fine. Number five. That's fine. Um, what's your number four? My number four probably would have to be Predestination. Oh, okay, with uh, Sandra Bullock. No, Predestination with Ethan Hawke. Okay. Doesn't have to this. Yeah, this is a weird movie. He ends up going back in time. Spoiler alert, and like time slash dimension, going back and end up sleeping with himself. This is why the movie was great until that part came up. What he ends up getting with himself from a different time period, a female version of himself. It is freaky, dude. Oh, so it's like a alternate reality where he was a girl instead of a, a boy. Well, he goes through time. Look, a temporal agent, maybe time, time, uh, time agent, uh, embarks on a final time traveling assignment to prevent an elusive criminal from launching an attack that kills thousands of people. Great movie, but I have to watch that. I <laughs> It's kind of like watching Old Boy. You know how you can only watch that movie once? You can never watch that movie ever again. <laughs> you should never watch that, and you should tell your friends not to watch it either. Uh, mine is Deja Vu. Oh, that's a good one. With Denzel. I mean, it was so cool. Like, I, I remember when I first watched that movie. I think there was a couple things that confused me. Yeah. But I watched it again in the last few years or whatever, and it's such a great movie. And he does. I mean, they have the technology to use it, but he actually does time travel as well. Yeah. And it's kind of like, there's some tragedy to it, but it's really good. What was your number three? My number three probably would be 12 Monkeys. Okay. I didn't put that on there just because I don't remember it very well. I know what happens in it, but I'm like, I saw it and I'm like, I probably have that on my list, but I got to watch it again. Yeah. Because I haven't seen it in a 12 while. 12 Monkeys probably. I put Back to the Future and I'll just go ahead and just say, yeah, the whole trilogy. That's fine. But really, the first one is my favorite. I I, I so think I'd favorite. have to agree with you. It gets weird after a little bit. Like, the third one I actually like. It's not bad. But I don't know. The second one. I'm really one, surprised. Was, so, is that including your number one? No, that was. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That was just number three is Back to the Future. Okay. Um, my number, what's your number two? Back to the Future. 
as your back yeah. future even on the list? Yeah, no, because I don't consider that a time uh, a uh, time one. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's what we're doing. We're doing movies of time travel in them. Yeah, but I don't. I'll talk more about that. My number two is Terminator, and my number one is T two. Mine was that too. Okay. So I mean, that was Terminator yeah. was definitely my number one. Term, well, Terminator nineteen eighty four. First Terminator is my number one, and then T two. I would have loved for it to be like timeline. One. Because that was a, uh, what is it, Michael Crichton? No, you're talking about the one with Paul Walker? Yes. <clears throat> is it called Time? Timeline. Is it yeah. called Timeline? Mm-hmm. I thought it was called something else. No, it's it's after um, Michael Crichton. Yeah, book. it was a type of Michael Crichton movie. Yeah, or, that one was a great, the book was phenomenal. book was outstanding. But the movie uh, was Gerard just Butler very, in it too, yeah. yeah. He wasn't a butler, though. I found out no, the wrong way. Not a not a butler. Not a butler. Um, today we're going to be talking about Back to the Future. This movie came out in 1985. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis. It was also written by Robert Zemeckis as well as Bob Gale. Uh, this movie stars Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd as Dr. Emmett Brown, Leah Thompson as Lorraine Baines, Crispin Glover as George McFly, Tom Wilson as Bill Biff Tannen, Claudia Wells as Jennifer Parker, and many others. Including uh, the, the the brothers and the sisters and all those people. Billy Zane is also in this movie. I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, so this movie came out in 1985, and you know, there's a huge story behind it. I think we've mentioned before on here, you know, that there are a lot of these movies that we talk about are talked about also on the movies that made a and Netflix that for whatever reason stopped making. I was really mad that they stopped making. Yeah, episodes. but that's kind of like a. a it's kind of hit to a lot of podcasters if you think about it, because you know why I listen guess. to a podcast about a movie that you can watch uh, a little little uh, with visuals, you yeah. know, uh, with with you know the whole history behind the yeah. film. You but know, typically those are like forty minutes to an hour. We can maybe yeah. talk a little bit longer about something, and that's just like information. Whereas we get like um, our personal opinions, exactly our opinions and everything. So, um, but but like I was gonna say that 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 show talked about is that it's pretty notorious about how this movie was made um they had eric stoltz in the role as marty mcfly although he was not the first choice uh their first did choice you see the screening of it and i was like what i just like like a saturday night live version i didn't see something. the whole screening but I, i've seen episodes i mean like like even his clothes down to the clothes that he was wearing but they kind of used that as a practice run because by the time they got Michael J. Fox in there, it was when the director's like, look, we're making the wrong movie because Eric Stoltz was taking everything seriously. Yeah. There was no comedy to it. So they needed a comedy actor to come in and yeah. play and you know be able to do the serious parts, but generally his set normal set mood is you know a bit of comedic. Well, Stoltz looks a lot, a lot more like Crispin too. So, I mean, that could have been played off like it being father and son to a point. Yeah, and I mean, he'd just come off a mask, which was a very dramatic movie and everything, heavy mm-hmm. in makeup. And so that's where, like, his head was at. You know, Such a good movie, by the way. I oh, yeah. Mask About the really elephant. Good, yeah. Not the elephant man, but the elephant man of America, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he wasn't quite. But, yeah, I mean, Cher did a great job in that oh, movie. Yeah. You know, Phenomenal. I think she missed her calling. I enjoy her more as an actress than I do as a singer. But Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. blasphemous to say, but um, anyways, uh, so anyways, he, he was, he was, he was not playing it right. And they shot for about five and a half, six weeks. And so they had to get somebody else and um, which was hard for the rest of the cast. Cause you know, they're already, 
thinking, I don't know about this movie, but now they have to reshoot the scenes with a whole new actor. People, especially like Crispin Glover, you know, we're not a fan of having to do all that. Mm. So um, I think Crispin Glover was trying to take this as seriously as uh, Eric Stoltz Stoltz was. was. Yeah. But in in different ways. So there's you know there's also the drama behind Crispin Glover, which we can get into. Which the guy's a good a great actor, you know, a phenomenal, phenomenal actor, fantastic yeah. actor. I mean, in this film alone, he 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 was such the standout. Him and 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 Christopher Lloyd were were definite standouts in this film. Yeah, you know more than more than anybody, I think, even more than Michael J. Fox to a point. You know, because Michael J. Fox, you got you got different. I don't know. You kind of got a little bit of the same kind of thing with him that you've seen in other movies where you got Crispin Glover who plays that role so well. It's almost like he went through this in his life and he's repeating it. Yeah. You I know think what the I mean? Core cast, such good show. Uh, uh, you know, with, with uh, Leah, Leah Thompson, Thompson and Crispin Glover, Thomas Wilson, Christopher Lord, and Michael J. Fox. You know, yeah. those five core people just did they were perfect for their roles and the only thing they were missing with eric stoltz was was michael j fox yeah uh, can you can you even imagine anybody else playing biff than tom wilson no and it's funny because he was a stand-up comedian before he started doing this you know he was doing doing uh appearances on on uh carson and all this kind of stuff is just like this comedic actor so he did do a little bit of improv while he was on set like butthead and uh <laughs> make, make like, like a, tree a tree and get out of here out of here those are all from him those are all ad yeah. from him so you know you needed that because in this type of movie you don't want any to be anything to be too intimidating especially because you have an except like basically a sexual assault scene that happens later mm-hmm so if you took this guy too seriously, that was hard realizing watch, that he was a moron. It really was. <laughs> when, but when when I watched it this time, sorry to mean to interrupt. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, when I watched it this time, that was really hard to watch. Like before, I, I guess when I watched it last, I was a lot younger, and I didn't really understand what was going on. I think. I mean, I did, but I didn't like. Now, like I knew that he was literally basically trying to rape her. You yeah. know, and and you're sitting there like, wow, like I don't remember. Yeah, even if that it wasn't part, like really. full on rape, like he was definitely trying to, you know, him sitting down in that car was going too far. Yeah, and then know? and then her saying literally help me. Yeah. When nobody none of his friends you know could stand up to him and then, you know, Crispin Glover's character so did. Great. Yeah. Um and knocks him out, yeah, no less. I can't I'm trying to get the power. Um but this is basically <clears throat> What this movie is, it's the story of a kid who gets to rewrite his parents' love story, like, to make it yeah. real. So when we first meet his parents, and we get into to Marty's life and everything, we first get to meet his parents, um, George is is just awkwardly going through life. What, Lorraine? What? You could tell he he just laughs at things that make him awkward. He's got no confidence in himself mm-hmm. whatsoever. He's basically the exact same person you meet whenever Marty first meets him back. Right, in the day. right. He's Wait, not. Except for you come to find out that the reason he did get hit by the car because he was a peeping Tom. Exactly. So gross. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that we meet him and he's that way. We meet Lorraine and we see that she never wanted to be in this marriage with George. Anyway, your grandpa hit him with the car and brought him into the house 
He seems so helpless. Like a little lost puppy. And my heart just went out to him. Yeah, Mom, we know. You've told us this story a million times. You felt sorry for him, so you decided to go with him to the fish under the sea dance. No, no, it was the enchantment under the sea dance. Our first date. I'll never forget it. It was the night of that terrible thunderstorm. Remember, George? I can't. Your father kissed me for the very first time on that dance floor. No. And it was then that I realized that I was going to spend the rest of my life with him. He was in the street. It never gets explained why he was in the street, but he was in the street, and her dad hit him, brought him inside. She took care of him, and it's it's one of these things that's documented that happens. Florence Nightingale, you, you're a nurse takes care of a patient, no matter who that patient is, and ends up falling in love with the patient, not because of any feelings, not because mm-hmm. of any good reason, but because you're nursing that person back to health, so you automatically have this this intimate relationship with that person. Right. You know, you're 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 um, that the, so you're in the softer side of them or whatever. Anyways, that's what. And then you know, and then they kissed at the dance later on after he'd asked to dance. But then she, it felt like she was kind of maybe stuck in that relationship. Yeah. And he was never he was never like he was in the rewritten timeline. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was just kind of like they. You know, their kids were suffering from it. You know, the the brother and sister were losers. You know, my uh, Marty was a bit cooler, but, like, he had to really work at it to, you know, get his name, you know, because... He was cool in a weird way. Like, like <clears throat> Marty was cool in a weird way because he, you know, he wasn't the most popular kid at school, but he was also... How do not- we know that? We don't know much about his school life. No, but, I mean, it does show him going to school and right. things like that, you know, but, like, you realize he's not the most popular kid in school, but he's also the one that wasn't bullied or he wasn't really bullied in school and he, he kind of fit in. He just was kind of in the middle. You know what I mean? But Where his dad was-, was on the far end, his mom was on the high end, Biff was on the high end, but he's kind of in the middle and it's kind of like... Maybe it's a generational thing. He was a slacker. Like the the, the principal always told him, you know, told him that he was always late, and he was a slacker, just like his dad was a slacker. We don't see him hanging out with any friends. He hangs out with this old old doctor dude, you know, this old inventor, not creepy or anything, who wasted away all his family fortune on on inventions and everything. And, and the, the one invention that actually works, it happens to be a time machine, probably. The most, know, invention the most important invention of all mankind. Of all mankind. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he couldn't even control, what, what was it, uh, a coffee maker that would actually fill up a coffee pot because there's no coffee pot well, We there. should be glad he's the one that discovered it because then by part two, he's like, I'm going to destroy the time machine because all yeah. it does is bring bad yeah. stuff. So anyways, you know, Marty wasn't good and everything. Kind of like Einstein with the uh, atomic bomb, yeah. you know. So how do you see this movie? Do you see this as a mo- uh, family movie? Do you see it as an action movie? Do you see it? What as uh, sci-fi i mean sci-fi I, I consider it a sci-fi, sci-fi film but not a time traveling film if that makes sense i don't consider it a time travel film because you have time travel at the very beginning and at the very end and that's it he is in a different time but he's not traveling like that's if that makes sense but this movie i see it more as like a romantic comedy yeah I agree. It's 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 a how do they fall in love? This movie is about Lorraine and George. Yeah. It's not about Marty. Yep. It's not about Doc Brown. Yep. This movie is about Lorraine and George and them getting a do-over in their future. Because it's not a movie about 
Marty and it's not a movie about Doc. It's definitely not a movie about Doc. Doc has nothing to do with the main story. All he's trying to do is get get the time machine to work at the beginning. He's and, like a tool. And get Marty back. Not like being a tool as a person, but he is yeah. a, a tool that is used throughout the movie to make happen what needs to happen. Right. So like... Uh, Besides the DeLorean. I mean, he created the DeLorean, so... Yeah. So, you know, he's trying to do that in the beginning, and he's just trying to get Marty back, back to his time. Yeah. He has nothing to do with the central plot. The, the, Marty... He doesn't have anything to do with the time travel stuff. He's like, Doc, you take care of that. Put me in the car and tell me when to go, but I got to take care of this. So Marty's whole thing, who he's supposed to be the main character, is dealing with George and Lorraine. If you break it down, this movie is about George and Lorraine and yeah. their relationship. Oh, because yeah. everybody, Biff, the all three kids, hell, maybe even Doc, are all, all their futures are characters. based on yeah, what correct. George and Lorraine correct. do and what they, their all, choice. All the way to Biff, because for the, I mean, I mean, the mayor, Goldie, the mayor. mayor. Yeah. Oh, sir, I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to night school and one day I'm going to be somebody. That's right. He's going to be mayor. Yeah, I'm going mayor. Now that's a good idea. I could run for mayor. But literally, the mayor, even if if it wasn't for that relationship to create Marty, who then came for it and and suggested, hey, why don't you become mayor? You know, it, it, all of it's intertwined. That, okay. So I don't know. I've talked about this very often. If you watch Cracked After Hours, that show. They do an episode on Back to the Future. Now it actually talks about how it's actually more horrifying than you think. Because, first of all, you have Marty going back and giving this black dude in a time that he was in the 50s, mm -hmm. the 50s, the inspiration, the motivation to become mayor. So it takes that decision away from that guy and saying <coughs> a white guy motivated him, right? Yeah. Okay. But if, okay. That, if it was just okay. that, I would agree with you. I'd do that face too. Like, what, really? But <laughs> he does it again. When uh, there's another incident I can't think of it right now, but the, the the other incident I can think of is he gave Chuck Berry the Johnny B. Good, the Johnny B. Good, and you know, as we know, rock music came from the black culture, yes, and everything. So you have one of the most iconic rock songs of all time, and Johnny yeah. B. Good. And it was actually written by a white guy who gave the same white guy who gave this other guy the idea. Now he's giving the, mu <laughs> the music the but, leg but, up. But, you know, you would think something like Cracked After Hours would take in the effect that this was all done for comedy's sake. It wasn't done because they weren't thinking, oh, well, we need to be sensitive or insensitive right. you have or to be whatever. careful if you're doing a serious dramatic movie. Yeah, but, but they're not, this is not a dramatic Saturday movie, Night a serious Live, movie. They can get risque yeah. as well, but they yeah. play it for comedy. But, but see, that's the comedy of it. Yeah. You know, that a white guy, a white 17-year-old, you know, mind you, 17-year-old kid created Johnny B. Good. Yeah. That's the comedy in there. That's the joke. The mayor, Goldie, I mean, you see the gold teeth right. he has. That's he probably was, why he goes he by was, Goldie. He was being called Goldie from that time. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, in a sense, but it still doesn't take away the fact of what it took to become mayor. Right? It's a way to connect. If you want to look deep in it like that, think about what it took for him that who grew up in that generation, that 55 in 1955 exactly. and then went on to be the mayor of that town. And, and he was a dishwasher. And that's the joke is that is that um, it's it's Marty trying to they're trying to connect future events to Marty's time traveling. Nowadays, people are just so sensitive to the fact that 
you know, it makes it a big deal when nobody was talking about that. You know, I and there I, are other, I love every person on this planet. You know, and there are I mean? other time travel movies where you have person giving the inspiration for an idea that eventually comes around. It's kind of a I mean, uh, look at that. You know, back to the future. I, get I mean, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, um, just saying. It inspired they their music their garbage music inspired a a, a whole world. But I'm talking about even real life stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, this but the movie in general, John it's, Connor Terminator. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 about it does it in a way where like time writes itself. Yeah. So it's it's not as drastic as some people think. Like in the Marvel universe, they're talking about. One little change can cause all these... The butterfly effect. Right, right. It causes different timelines. Well, what we saw that actually happened in Back to the Future is not that way. Do you remember right. even how they talked about Back to the Future and Endgame? Uh, Between Scott and Tony? And he called it a time heist, and you know Tony just had no patience for Scott because he's an idiot. But do you remember how that was talked about? No. Back to the Future. It shows how time actually writes itself. There, there's It won't split off. It'll alter some things and then bring it back to the normal timeline because Michael uh, Michael <coughs> Marty changed a lot of things right yeah he did a lot of stuff back in the day the whole chase around the the courtyard with the poop and you know moving <laughs> moving moving poop poop <laughs> moving George out of the way from getting hit by the car uh the weird stuff that went on with Lorraine the even the high school I mean he just could not resist saying I mean, he he did a damn good job, actually, but got so close to literally saying his mom is hot. <laughs> you're so hot. You're so, so hot. Uh, Rain bathes? Yeah. But you're hot. Uh, you're so hot. Uh, you're so thin. You're so, yeah. But, I mean, that's what I'm talking about is that he did all these things, but when he, got, when he gets back to the future... Not a lot's changed, and only the people... Not for it, him, particularly. Only the people that are close in that bubble yeah. were affected. So, Lorraine and George were affected, so their kids were affected. Yeah. Not by much, no. but they were affected. Biff was affected. Yeah. Not by a crazy amount. I mean, he was probably affected the most, but that was just by the nature of how you know, uh, no, George No, I mean, Chris, you know... Uh, you went from him being a bully George, to him George, being like, oh, gosh. George yeah, and hey. Biff uh, totally basically switched sure. spots. You know. Sure, but I mean, George wasn't a bully about it. No. Like, like Biff was, but that's what I'm saying. But He's no, a character. Just saying that about Biff. Doc, what a character. Exactly. Doc didn't change yeah. because he's not close to that family bubble. He's only close to Marty. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody else changed. Goldie didn't change. That's actually probably maybe the reason, as we were saying, that he became mayor. So he they changed some stuff, and it did have to alter some things, but then it brings you back to basically what your original. They they made more money, but they're living in the exact same house. Yeah. You know? And, and Mar- nothing changed. They have you know, a, more like change a different for, car that yeah. Biff is cleaning or whatever. Literally, and, the only thing, the, the one, Marty didn't change at all. Well, like, we don't you know, know because he doesn't know what his new life is, and it's never really explained. But, but here's the thing. He, he's exactly the same person as he was when sure. he left. His and, brother and sister, they're more normal. She's yeah. not such a weirdo. She's got actually, she looks, you know, she's dating They're people. not slackers. He's going yeah. to a job with a suit on mm-hmm. and everything. So, but they look the same personality. The picture is still the same. When they but, when they disappeared yeah. and then they all came back, they're all still wearing the same clothes. But, but I think literally like uh, Lorraine changed quite a bit. 
Sure. George changed quite a bit. Biff changed the, quite a bit. They were the core three yeah, but that the, was changed. But the the even the brother and sister, I mean, they're they're totally different people. I mean, they look the same, but they're totally different people. They're com- Marty. They're not, in, the only thing Mar- that changed for Marty is he has a truck now. They're different in their circumstances, but like their personalities seem to be the same. He's like, "What? I'm going to work. What are you talking about? You know, like they're still talking to each other the same, but now he's more professional. He's not such a slacker. He's not watching his dad. So and he's like more his, successful. Yeah. So like his personality is is I mean. His is similar, whereas you know his actually what happened and where where he took his life is different. So yeah. I, I really like that. I really like that it's George and Lorraine's story. I guess I never got that when I was younger because um, it's all about what happens behind the scenes. And as we saw in part two, there's all kinds of other things going on behind the scenes that we didn't even know about. Yeah. So um, now, do you think they should have stopped at part one? Do you think they should have made a part two and three? No, well, I think part one is perfect just as it is. Yeah. If you didn't watch two and three, you're good to go. Yeah. And that's it's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think two and three really brings that down because they end part one in a way where it's like, oh, cool, we got to talk about your kids and everything. It can lead you into something else, or you can just assume that they're going to have many more adventures yeah. in the DeLorean. But it's just kind of like you look at the theory with, with okay, so with Back to the Future, they made three. They probably should have stopped at one. Home Alone, they made many many home loans mm-hmm. they probably really should have stopped at one don't get me wrong i love two better i love part two but part one it was just it, it could have been a perfect movie goonies sure. that's why they didn't make another Goonies. Well, most of those movies that were real popular they got popular because they're yeah. basically perfect movies yeah. and everything so they didn't need it but that's indiana jones got better sequels. but indiana jones did get better some people don't star think so. wars some got better are, in my opinion some people are raiders purists yeah well and even with star wars some people are star wars purists and they think that you know star wars and empire were great it's gotten worse since then you know yeah. so a lot of people think that way so i just think that you know like some of these movies like part two just was i i know why they did it because they were riding on that high of that first movie and doing so well and being so popular they were like hey let's just make another one yeah it's it's what's that old saying it's uh you know just because you can doesn't mean you should right who says that it's uh ian malcolm in jurassic park that's basically right. saying your scientists were so preoccupied with the notion with the fact that they could they never stopped to think that if they should exactly and i think that that something like that applies to a lot of uh franchises (coughs) yeah that they they create you know it's like with back to the future you could you did you could and you did but should you have you know and 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 you know just like with the star wars you know like these last three episodes you know I probably would have been all right with just the prequel and what we saw in the middle now at this point. Like, I was excited at first For, wait, until Kathleen Kennedy got a hold of it. Yeah. What other movie did she get a hold of? Oh, yeah, this one. Well, she was Steven Spielberg's producing partner I know. for so long. So, yeah. And Steven Spielberg was a producer on this movie. And uh, it was funny because one of the um, one of the, the Sid Scheinberg, I believe was his name. I believe he was a producer or somebody at the studio. But his one suggestion, well, one of his suggestions at least, was to he didn't like Back to the Future as a title. He thought that they should change it to Spaceman from Pluto, just like that book that yeah. George was reading before he had the nightmare where yeah. Marty dressed up as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to name it that. And they were like, are you kidding me? And you know how they got around it? Because this guy was very powerful and they owed him a lot. So they were kind of like, do we have to name our movie this now? It was like, because he's suggestion. And Steven Spielberg actually came up with a good way to address it, and he basically wrote back an email. Not an email. It wouldn't have been an email yeah, back then. Right. But he wrote back, uh, 
in a text message. Wait, it wouldn't be a text message either. No. He sent a pigeon. Anyways, he sent by carrier pigeon Correct. this letter to Sid Schneider. Smoke signals. Or it was probably a fax. Anyways, it basically said uh, something like, ha, 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 that was a great joke. Keep them coming. And they said they didn't hear anything after that. Well, obviously not. Because Somebody said that to me on my idea. I would have been like, I'd been like uh, my, my whole thing would be crushed. I'd yeah. be like, good thing. Well, this guy probably was like, I'm crushed, but good thing I'm rich. Because <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, okay. I could make them change it yeah. if I want to. But um, so basically, the, the, the premise is this um, Michael J. Fox plays this guy named Marty McFly. They live in Hill Valley, uh, California. He has a depressed alcoholic mother. Her name is Lorraine. Um, he has uh, s- uh, siblings, uh, older siblings, and he has a very meek father, George. Um, George is villi- uh, bullied by his boss, which is Biff at this time, who was also his high school bully. Um, and um, Marty's not doing too well either. You know, he's got a girlfriend n- named Jennifer, which I thought was like, I know she didn't have many scenes, but she was very much a wet blanket in this movie. Just like didn't yeah, do pretty much. much. Um, I like like, uh, like Fairless Bueller's sister. And I like the Elizabeth Shue replacement in part two and three because she's, I I know her as an actor from Karate Kid and different things, the boys and everything, but it was just someone more familiar and I think she had a bit more personality. But um, anyways, he has a friend named uh, uh, Doc Brown and Doc created a time machine. You've really said how they met though, right? No, but knowing what happened in the past, he probably kept a pretty good eye on George and Lorraine's relationship. Good point. Which this is makes it even more creepier. But he probably kept an eye on when the kids were being born and was waiting for this little baby, baby Martin, to be born. But the, yeah, I get that, and, and I think that's a genius way of doing it. Yeah. If that was actually the plan, or unless well, that just accidentally. Well, yeah, true. But but it's like. It's because still, I think even Doc said something like, "I, I, you don't know how long I've like waited to." Oh no, he right before he sent it back, he goes, "I'll have to wait all this time to be able to talk about this night for like when you get back because he wouldn't be able to talk about it before." That's also how he knew where to vest. And I have a note here that I think that Doc knows the future, and that's why he has all those clocks at the beginning because he's like he knows that the day is coming when he's supposed to die and this time travel is supposed to happen. So he's got all these clocks to make sure that he's on time with everything. Anyways, yeah. what were you saying? Um, <coughs> I don't know. But, hey, you know, did you ever think that maybe Marty was adopted to a point? I mean, now explains, again, weirdly explains why that's not true, because they named him Marty but here's after the thing. Marty, if after was, himself. <laughs> if he was adopted, I'd feel so much better, because one... He's nothing like his dad. No, or his he's, mom, really. He is willing to well, get... Well, maybe more like his mom, I guess. And we don't find out he has, like, an anger problem until parts two and three. That's yeah. when they introduce the whole, what, are you chicken? No one calls me chicken. You know, those yeah. though, that happens just in the part two and three. There in this one, he was a lot more laid back, a lot more chilled and everything. But, I mean, he was willing to stand up for himself and to, to, to grab somebody that's that big by the collar. Yeah. You know, and everything, not caring. George would never do that. Yeah. I don't know if Lorraine would ever do that. So where does he get that from? Plus, it would make me feel better when, when he's in the car with his mom. <laughs> Anyways, he uh, he meets with Doc, and uh, he finds out, finds out that Doc has actually built a time machine in the DeLorean. <clears throat> now, the creator, I think his name is John DeLorean. Yeah. Something like that. <clears throat> he wrote a letter to the, the writers of this, um, thanking them for immortalizing his vehicle. Yeah. This vehicle that was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
you hear about this DeLorean. It's so cool looking. It was used in this movie the way it was, but it just it sucked as a car. It I mean, it would constantly die. I it went over like 60 miles an hour. No, yeah. So the whole getting up to 88 miles per hour would be doubtful unless it was a brand new you one, know, maybe. You know, they also said that uh, that as long as Zemeckis and Gale are alive, yeah, they will not make sequels, prequels, or yeah, and, any alteration to the films that are current. In a rare instance... You have something as big as this property, Back to the Future. It's one of these rare instances that it's not owned by a studio. Nope. It's actually owned by Zemeckis and, and Gale. And uh, the two Bobs said that it will never be remade or rebooted. Yep. They, you know, they had talked about doing a sequel. Um, Michael J. Fox is beyond that now. Yep. I don't know if you've seen his most recent where yeah. he's on stage. His takes. <clears throat> yeah. I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah. It's tough watching it and everything, but anyways, he goes there and uh, he got he had this powered by plutonium, which some Libyan terrorists had gotten, and um, he gave them a box of parts, making them think that it was a bomb that he built for them. But he kept the plutonium for his time machine. So they come and they shoot up Doc, uh, and Marty jumps in the time machine. Don't know what happened to Einstein, but uh, Marty yeah, that's gets kind of weird. <clears throat> Marty gets in the time machine, goes back in time. A bunch of things happen. He meets his dad along the way. Biff. He meets Biff. He meets Lorraine. Um, obviously, there's the you know story beats that everybody's used to. You know, he finds out that his dad's a peeping tom, but it's not like he goes and watches everybody. He's watching Lorraine. I, it doesn't make it any better. No. <laughs> Especially since it's not like oh, I'm just in love with her. Uh, no, you're watching her change, and it's yeah. weird and everything. It's so, weird. Um, but. Anyways, it goes back and it ruined, you know, he was supposed to, he dropped down from the tree, his dad did, George McFly did when he was peeping, and he got hit by um, Lorraine's dad in the old timeline. This new one, Marty, not thinking, pushes him out of the way because he automatically sees a car coming, he's trying to save his life, but I'm sure he's been told this story many times that he, that his dad got hit, <laughs> but he prevented it from happening because he just acted on instinct, and it said he was the one that got hit. Well, hilarity ensues because Lorraine is, like, infatuated with Marty, and she's always talking about him. It isn't until they're at prom night, you know, he's taking her in the car, and she finally does kiss him, and everybody, the whole audience, even up to this day now, just like, oh, and they kiss him, like, this is so weird, gross. You just have to keep it in your head that they're not actually related. Yeah. And then she kind of actually says, it's like, this is weird. It's kind of like kissing my brother. He's like, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, that makes sense and everything. Yeah. But the coolest scene of the entire movie for me, I'm going to go ahead and state my favorite scene of the movie, is George coming, thinking that he's coming to, because George and, and Marty have concocted this thing. Since Marty screwed up their first meeting, he's going to create a second meeting for him. But I like how the the timeline takes, like I said, it, it, it does its own thing. You know, like Marty had these plans, so this is what we're going to do. Well, it took Marty out of the equation and let it happen naturally mm -hmm. because Marty was pulled out of that car by Biff. And when Biff started messing with Lorraine, you know, took George a little bit. But George got out there thinking it was Marty and get your damn hands off of her. And then he realizes it's Biff. But it's cool because then he gets him in a, a little a little hold there. And when Lorraine jumps out to help and she gets thrown to the ground, then you see... That George really is in love with this, Jay. You know, he yeah. sees her being thrown to the ground. 
And that's when he gets this rage, balls up his fist, and just lays Biff out. Hits him way harder than Marty ever did. Hey, you. Get your damn hands off. Oh, I think you got the wrong car, McFly. George, help me. Please. Just turn around, McFly, and walk away. Are you deaf, McFly? Close the door and beat it. No, Biff. You leave her alone. All right, McFly. You're asking for it. And now you're going to get it. Biff, stop it! Biff, you'll break his arm! Biff, you're going to break his arm! Biff! Biff, leave him alone! Let him go! Let him go! Are you okay? Now I want to be like, okay, would that turn Biff into this subservient, dorky person who now answers to George all the time? I don't think it would. This this has to be the Rachel moment. In this movie with time travel and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure you could have figure out plenty of things that would be Rachel moments. But the one thing that is hard for me is seeing that the one that George laying him out once is going to do anything because you know Beth, he's not going to stop until yeah, he, he got manure dumped on him and he still was angry and ready to he go. He was trying to find Calvin Klein, you know. Yeah. And so you know, it's it's. I have to imagine that there was a couple other events after that that we didn't see, where George reemphasized that he's not to be messed with anymore. So and and we saw that I saw that on the desk dance floor. He took her inside, and uh, they started dancing. And that other dude got in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. I don't like that they had him walk away like that. They should have had him shove him down immediately. But yeah. Um, anyway, so um, he sho- he shoves that guy down. And then he kisses Lorraine, and uh, it's one of those epic moments, you know. And it's like it was a real moment this time instead of her, you know, kind of falsely falling for George. It was a real moment. It was filled with passion. He was fighting for her honor, and he showed that he could stand up and fight for his people. Fight, fight for his, his lady or whatever. Um, no, I just... Another Rachel moment would be obviously like, you know, you know, we all know how many times that, that story's been told, how they met, and him pushing his dad out of the way kind of was like, I don't know. I but that's why be I said because if you wouldn't have done have that, to, then nothing would have, none of this would have happened. Exactly. I think you just have to imagine that in that moment, he just he forgot that he knows that that was supposed to happen, and he just sees a car about to hit George. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was supposed to happen the next day. Yeah. Maybe just him being there and looking up at George. Maybe that is not what originally happened. I don't know. Maybe he just panicked, or maybe having a seventeen-year-old boy meet a creepy. Uh, white-haired scientist at the mall after hours was a little weird. Somebody who's been waiting for him for 30 years to grow up. Hey, can you come meet me at the mall when when it's like like late night? I imagine him going over to the McFly house and looking at Marty. He's like, 
oh, he's not quite ready yet. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. almost there, and having George and Lorraine be like, all right, <laughs> weirdo. Yeah, what happened to Lorraine, man? I mean, she was hot, man. You know, Leah she- Leah Thompson, like, during this time period, that was another, another one of those- uh, Princess Leia moments for me with well, Leah Thompson. He finally he he does his he has his Johnny B. Good moment at the on the stage, which I mean, say what you will. I, I love that scene. All right, guys, now listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? That's a great scene, but it's not my favorite. Okay. Do you want to wait, or do you want to say what you're... No, what is your favorite? No, I already already said mine. Okay. My favorite is when he gets Biff, and he's skateboarding around the the circle. That was a great scene. I love that. That that may be my second favorite, because it's it's an iconic scene as well. Yeah, because all they're doing is going around the town circle. Yeah, and same thing in part two. mm -hmm. All they do is go around the town, but in this part two, he's always stuck on the water. skateboarder, yeah. He can't get through with the hoverboard. He's sort of a skateboarder and, and... or he uses a skateboard through all of it. But I just thought that was that was kind of cool because it seemed so natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was such a natural scene that you... I mean, a lot of calamity happened, yeah. but it seemed like natural He's calamity. a dream. Yeah. <laughs> that, Isn't that, he a dream? That infatuation was, was on point, I guess. It's, I, it, I, when I was a kid, I overlooked it because you just don't think about those things. No. You're just kind of like, all right, well, let's continue... You just don't think. I mean, it's it's you're not a stupid kid. You understand it, but you just don't think about it. But yeah, it bothers you a little bit more as you get older. And maybe it didn't bother them back then because it was kind of a joke. Yeah. But nowadays, after Game of Thrones and different things, well, I was like about that, to you're say just like, Game of Thrones. It makes me definitely. feel icky now. It really does. <laughs> like, like and a playful comedy where we're just kind of ignoring it, but kind of like again, elbowing it. Again, but. you have to think in your head. They are not actually related. This is a movie. They are not related. This is a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie. This is a movie. I truly believe that. Like that's really the only way that you can make it right in your head <laughs> by saying this is a movie. They're not really like this, and blah blah blah. Yeah, um, the end scene with uh, with Doc trying to get Marty back uh, with the to- the clock tower and the lightning and all that is a masterclass in suspense building. Oh, I know. I was just sitting at like, every even, second, even at this age, and how many times I've seen this movie and how long it's been. I you know what's going to happen. I know he's going to make it in time, but you're still kind of at the edge of your seat. You're like, it really it, is. They I know it, he's going to make it. They take but, it right uh, down to the last second. And even my son, when he was watching it with me, he was standing up and kind of like holding on and jumping out of down. He's like, hurry, yeah. hurry. It's like, and I was just thinking, like, this is a master class in suspense, how they built this scene of you only got... 30 seconds before this lightning strike yeah. happening. He's got a zip line down and plug it. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. And he was in his 40s. Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, at the time. That sounds about right. He did Taxi Cab in his 20s and 30s. Oh, man, he's so hilarious in that. Or not Taxi Cab, but Taxi. Yeah. Taxi, yeah. Taxi. But he's so hilarious. Him and Dan, Danny DeVito are just... Because he's, he's like off crazy hair. Like he, he should be known for that crazy hair. I mean, obviously... You've he seen was him before, yeah. before Back to the Future. I mean, like you, you were saying, well, you know, we had a lot of new people. 
Christopher Lloyd was well known. You know, he yeah. he from Taxi and everything, and that was his iconic character. And he had a lot of scenes with Lotka, Andy Kaufman as well. But and who was it? This I can't remember. I think it was never be known for anything else now except for Doc. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where Marty says. Uh, talking about the principal he's like has he just never had hair <laughs> but it was i forgot that he did have that little bit of hair in yeah. the back and everything but that same dude that was in uh he-man or masters of the universe oh yeah he was in there and i think no he was a cop i was like was he yeah. a principal in that movie too no but but yeah i know what you mean like, like <laughs> and he's he's as short as marty too. yeah i know you know and, but i mean you could tell like i would be almost a betting man that he was in the military he just yeah, because he's look. got he's got that cadence of talking yeah, down. Yeah, that your drill instructors do. Like, and I almost want to say that I'm pretty sure he was uh, in the military. In, in a just military that sharp movie. way of talking. All right, yeah. McFly. <laughs> but I mean, he's like, does he, did he ever ever? <laughs> it's like uh, who who else is bald all the time? Uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, since his 30s. Mm-hmm. No, you know he, he started losing his hair when he was 18. Do you know that? Well, I mean, Steve Martin started going gray in his twenties. I mean, by the time he was thirty, he was it was all had all white hair. But it's almost like now, even if you think about it, like I don't. I mean, yeah, I remember Steve Martin when he would do the G, or the Johnny Carson impersonation, or when he would do Johnny and when he was Carson. a little shop of horrors. He still yeah. had color in his hair and everything. But I just but. don't. I, when I think Steve Martin, I think of him now. The his color, that white grayish same hair. Same thing he had in Bowfinger. So yep. same thing, which I want to do one to, one day on the show. Such you really great, like that movie, dude? I love it. Chubby Rain. Come on, man. Oh this is gosh. such a great no, movie. It's one of do one of like Steve Martin's movie. best. And I maybe you're not remembering like the like I understand maybe the movie is not. As great, but I mean, like the way Steve Martin is, he's just like three, three amigos. He's going like three thousand miles an hour. Of course, yeah. I mean, we have those are the classics, Steve. Sure. Martin. Wait, the pest. Yeah, he was in John Leguizamo. Not the that pest. pest. It's called uh, oh, the jerk. You mean the jerk? Sorry, oh, yeah. the pest. Yeah, the jerk. Uh, totally I mean, threw me that, off. that's probably his greatest movie, in my opinion. The jerk. Um, the way he was able to do that Forrest Gump type character was phenomenal. I know we're getting off, but I just had to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> the can. <laughs> shooting the can. These cans are defective. They're springing leaks. Come over here and look at this. Listen, you better run for cover. You're going to spring a leak. Huh? We don't have defective cans. We have a defective function out there. He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. Die, gas pumper! I gotta get away from those cans! Those cans in there, too! Better hit it! More cans! Oh my gosh, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he's trying to plug all the holes. And he's like, idiot. what is happening? <laughs> he's an idiot. That's what's happening. It just, if you think about it, I know it's off topic, but Steve Martin... Look at think about the type of comedy Will Ferrell does. Yeah. That's Steve Martin. Yeah, that 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 just character type, but almost seems kind of like one of his personalities. Like Steve Martin was good about um, one of his his different characters were almost like one of his personalities. Like he had multiple personalities, yeah. and that was just one of his personalities. Just like with Will Ferrell, you know, all these different characters he plays is just a type of person, one of his personalities. Yeah. And there's, I, man, that's like a light bulb moment for me. The fact that if I think about it, 
that's where Will Ferrell had to get a lot sure. of his influence for Chris Steve Marley Martin. doing the the yeah Belushi Belushi stuff, stuff. yeah exactly so it's you know I, you don't think about these kind of things did you know that uh, Bill Murray hated Chris Farley for that yeah like I heard Rob Schneider was on some interview in the last few weeks but he was talking about how uh, when Bill Murray came to Canada like he hated everybody he's like you know he goes he hated me less. Uh, the least <laughs> he goes which is great for me because he's like my idol my hero or whatever but he said he would look at Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and he would just fume because probably he didn't have patience for Sandler's goofiness and he where do you think Sandler got the influence but, from I know, that's the, Bill Murray like, right you know, there his special brand of like childish goofiness <laughs> I'm just still going yeah, back. Yeah, but to Bill Murray's a very, he's got like a lot of smart, more grown up ways of being goofy, <sighs> like more intellectual ways. Where I have to disagree. Adam Sandler, it was, you know, it's a lot of shampoo and conditioner. Personally, I think, I think what it was was Bill Murray, Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg. Those three are the uh, the same person. Apparently, he didn't like Adam Sandler. And he really didn't like Farley either because he said that he would just. But he never gave a reason. He's like, I just have to assume it's because he saw him doing that and thought it was funny to do the whole out of control stick, even though that's what killed Belushi and yeah. eventually it's what killed, killed Farley. Farley. Yeah, and John Candy too. Excess. John Candy was a bit different, though. I think I, I don't know. He wasn't into the drugs as much as Farley and and Belushi were and everything. So, um, on this real quick, uh, Eric Stoltz when he was Marty McFly, they actually had Melora Hardin as Jennifer. Hmm. And do you know, remember who she played in The Office? She played Michael's boss, Jan Levinson. That's right. So Jan Levinson, the one that he started hooking up with, yeah. and they eventually, you know, went their own ways and everything. But she Don't ruin it. She was she was the original Jennifer. But when they hired, uh, wow, she's been around that long. Yeah, when the, that's crazy. When they and she, yeah, she's. I mean, when she was doing The Office, she was. Uh, Steve Carell's age. They were in their like forties. Well, I know, but uh, you know, Steve Carell really didn't become. I mean, he was he was in the same comedy troupe as Belushi and all these guys. He you wasn't know. in that troupe. It was a different one. I can't remember. What I it thought was it was called. out of Chicago though. It wasn't, but it wasn't the same one that they did. I can't remember what it was because he used to be in these like Burger commercials Lash and stuff like that. Yeah, but he he didn't he didn't really become famous until he was in his forties. Yeah, I know. He, you know, not Steve not Carell. Yeah, yeah. His big breakout was Michael Scott and then the forty year old virgin, but. Um, but anyways, the uh, she was too tall. She uh, Eric Stoltz is like almost six feet, I think, or maybe he is six feet. But uh, Michael J. Fox is f- uh, five four and a half, or at least God, he was at the he's time. So short. Yeah, I mean shorter than Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> I uh, this is Drew. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna come after us. Not us. Don't say us. <laughs> but anyway, so they didn't want that huge height difference. So, so actually, Melora Hardin, she was gonna be the original. She got fired just because she was too tall, which sucks for her. And I feel bad that that happened. But her career could have jumped off right at that mm-hmm. point. But unfortunately, Not like Jen, the the character that played Jennifer who went away, and yeah. I never saw her and everything. But. Um, you know, and also Christopher Lloyd was six foot one with Marty being five foot four. They said they had to play some camera tricks, like keep them far away. But when they were close, if you notice, Doc Brown kind of hunches over. They only did that to make the height difference a little better in those scenes and everything. So I thought that was interesting. Now I want to talk about Crispin Glover real quick. Yeah. 
for those that don't know, there's been a huge controversy with this movie and Crispin Glover, and more specifically, the sequels to this movie. Yeah. Now, he was a little bit... In the very end of this movie, I thought. <clears throat> he was a little bit difficult. Well, no, because they had to recreate the ending yeah. in the next movie with a new Jennifer, and that's when they had the other George in there. I don't think it was at the end of this movie. But he they did have some issues with this because he kept walking out of frame, and he's like, well, sorry, that's where George wants to go. And so they built a little planter's box around him and put him in the middle of it and say, now this is where George wants to go. <laughs> so he had to stay there because he they have marks, you know, the actors know yeah. where the if they're in or out of frame because of their marks. And he would just walk out of frame because that's how he wanted to do. And he said he wanted to start sweeping. It was either sweeping or or something with a stick or whatever. But I think it was sweeping. And they're like, why are you doing that? And he goes, well, it's just he got real metaphorical about it and. Michael J. Fox is like, I don't care, whatever. You know, <laughs> it was when they were doing the scene by the laundry yeah. line, though. Um, but um, they brought back another actor to um, to do some parts for part two, part three, to have George do these certain scenes, and he didn't play them how Crispin thought they should be played. They used um, prosthetics to make him look like Crispin Glover. Yeah. And then they cut in unused footage of Crispin Glover in part one with this so that it may, it gave the impression that Crispin Glover was still doing this character. And that's what he was upset about. Like, if you're going to have somebody else do it, cast him and show him on camera to where people know this is not Crispin Glover. This is a new actor. Mm -hmm. But they actually made it to where people thought it was Crispin Glover. And it pissed him off because he did not like what the new actor was doing with George. And he's like, that's not how I would have done it and everything. So he actually had a lawsuit against the studio that released it and everything. Basically, there are Screen, screen Actor Guild rules now because of what Crispin Glover do that prevents directors <clears throat> from essentially um, um, reusing their film over and over again for future movies. Given the impression that an actor was in a movie when they weren't. Right. And not getting, because they're not getting paid for it. Right. Not getting paid. But I think Crispin Glover, as far as we know him, he probably didn't care about the money. It was more about this is not, this is, this is the art that I did. And this is somebody trying to put forth art that was mine that actually wasn't mine and everything. And that's what his big issue was. He says to this day, he won't talk to Bob Gale. He he hates Bob Gale because Bob Gale is the one that made a lot of those decisions. Him and Zemeckis have pretty much made up since then. And they're pretty much on a good good um, tier and everything. But every time I watch this, I'm, I'm reminded and blown away about how good Crispin Glover mm -hmm. is. Because you see him in other roles, and he's not been in a lot of major roles and everything. Um, I, think I used was, to think that the guy... Willard. Yeah. And oh, yeah. That, that movie about the creepy guy. And he was also the bad guy in one of the Charlie's Angels movie, Cameron Diaz, where yeah. he'd cut the hair and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's just like such a weirdo in that movie, too. I always think that he's, I always thought that he was the guy from the Stand movie, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. I always like, they, they're a Harold. lot. Yeah, but Harold's a lot like uh, his character in this movie, kind of. Yeah, kind of like a mix but between like a bad, Crispin Glover yeah. and um, who's the guy that we like from Two Days in the Valley? Oh. And he also played Robert California in The Office. Stoltz in that movie, too. Could have been. I'm pretty sure he was the male star in that movie. What was his name? Blacklist, dude. Oh, Kevin Spacey. Or, or... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like getting all these other names in my head. James Spader. There we go. I was way but... off. <laughs> 
show people how much we like Two Days in the Valley, right? But anyway, well, there's a reason we I liked that movie when I was younger yeah. because it was Charlize Theron yeah. first introduction to Charlize Theron, and ever since then I've always been a huge fan of Charlize yes, Theron. Eric Stoltz is in that movie. I told you, Wes, Wes Taylor and everything. Yeah, he's like the main the the main male right. in that movie. Yeah. So another issue that Crispin Glover had with this movie was that he didn't like how the ending was. That that they were rewarded with money. He thought that the only thing that should have changed was that George and Lorraine actually love each other now. I agree with that. And I do too. Because here's the thing too, is that you could see, like, I can't really knock the guy. This is a character he created. They made a, wrote the character a certain way, but he created George. He embodied it. He He gave it nuance and all that. It might have not been his, his idea to come up with that character name and certain things about him. But he created that character. His job is to interpret what is written on the page. Right. And then you see that, you know, and this is one thing we didn't talk about when we were talking (laughs) about the sequels, but the fact that, you know, they're not about Lorraine and George. Should we even do... I don't think so. Two I don't think so. I think it's. A waste. I don't think they weren't like because I think I'd have more things bad to say about them than yeah, I would. Good. I don't want it. I don't want to do an episode like that. So no. uh, maybe because, like you said, with his anger that he doesn't have in this first one, that they entered, they they turn into the second one where you're like, no, he was a very calm, collective, pretty, pretty, he had a high anxiety, but he was a teenager, but he, he was just very, very kind of chill guy. Very likable, almost perfect character yeah. that didn't have many flaws. Yeah, you want to make him more real, but yeah, you're taking like a trope and a cheesy yeah. thing. Like, oh, let's give him an anger problem. Yeah, and then now now he has, has a, uh, a condition. You know, it's like, it's like, let's throw in some more personality to him. And it's like, well, it's Michael J. Fox. He throws up a ton of personality. If it was done in the first movie, like the whole chicken thing, it seems like that yeah. came out of nowhere in part two and three. Like, wait, the, but I mean, it's like, well, how often does something that happened a lot in these movies, you know, in the third one, yeah. the old West Biff called him a chicken and yeah. the future Biff called him a chicken, I think. And yeah. I don't know. It's just all these. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. They probably, I mean, I, under, I understand that, you know, one of the movies that actually, sur- I mean, most of the movies, Biff's always the villain, right? But it was like, he pretty much is in all, yeah, he is in all three. Yeah. But you take, you take the two main characters, the movie originally was about remove them and keep, some of the worst characters. And it felt like, like two and three were yeah. all about pit, patching up the mistakes that were made. Yeah, you know, but that two, didn't need to be done. That didn't need to be... Yeah, in part two, we saw a future that may not have happened because, yeah. remember, they went back and fixed some things. Yeah. I don't know if that happened or whatever, but... Um, and then three, you get Doc. He was just stuck back in the West, and so Marty had to help him out, you know, with that and everything. But, yeah, the, the first one was so much more pure because yeah. it was about... It had the, you know, it tricks you into it because, like, there's a time travel, there's DeLorean, there's this crazy dot guy, there's a cool Marty, and he skateboards and does all this. But it's about George and Lorraine, and about it's so cool to see them go from a failed marriage that that no effort was put in or anything because they kind of just they kind of just settled with where, where they were at, and the and Marty gives them a, the opportunity in the past. To make something of themselves, to make something of their love, right. to, to be purposeful, not about not only about what they do, but about how they act with people, how who they love, and all that kind of stuff. And it gave them a better foundation for their marriage, fixed their entire lives, basically, yeah. just by providing that opportunity. And that's what I love about it. And and I do think Crispin was right that that in the end, 
it should have just been about the love i mean look at the movie that was uh, there's a song that is written for the that, that's that's the main part of the movie you know huey lewis don't need money don't need fame don't need no, no credit, credit card, card. Yeah. just ride the train yeah. exactly so i mean it, it, when you have that it's like um that's the power of love yeah. right and but it would have been cool like even like, like even huey lewis yeah, knew that that's yeah. what it should about and it felt like zemeckos was the only one that didn't know yeah and and you know i i hate to, i don't hate to say it i'm not gonna say i hate to say it. i love huey lewis in the news that's huey what lewis i remember news. during the summertime when i when i used to remember the music you know because again we listen to a lot of country and we listen to a lot of this type of music you know and the mom has listened to a lot of uh um a lot of different things mm-hmm. but uh you know, it, it just, I think of Huey Lewis in the news and I think of, you know, going to the beach in South Texas or, you know, during summer times and stuff like that. You know, I think of Huey Lewis and I, I love the band. The band is just such a fun band up, that, that upbeat, comes up with pop music. rock yeah. music. It's just, it's great. They're classics. Yeah. They're, they're, they'll be, I think they might already be in the hall of fame, you know, but I mean, they're, they're just. And for those that don't know, did you see the Huey Lewis cameo? Oh, yeah. The, he was one of the ones that was judging the talent show. He's right. actually the one that stood up at the bullhorn and was like, right. all right. Uh, and, you know, looking around yeah. while he was playing his own song yeah. and everything. But um, I don't know. I, I agree with I agree with Crispin that that should have been the it should have been. Yeah. But I mean, they didn't diverge too much from it. They might have had a little bit better of a car, but they had the same house. They had a better job, but and he did his dreams stuff. But I think what really irked Crispin was the truck, giving Marty the truck that he wanted when, because they made money now and their future's better. When he should have just been happy that his parents were in love and that they had a better relationship, and you know, carry that on or whatever. But I, I'm definitely in 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 Crispin Glover's corner when it comes to that. And I agree. And, and, you know, even to the point with like Biff, you know, it's like he already got their revenge on Biff. He knocked him out in front of everybody. You know, that's probably should have been enough. It would have been kind of cool if Marty would have went outside and Biff was living right next door, mowing the yard, mowing his own yard or something, you know, just something that says, you know, he lives the same life they do. You know what I mean? Right next door. You know, just go outside, let the watch Buff yeah, we, Biff uh, mow the yard. Yeah, we didn't need him waxing everybody's cars or anything. It could have just been because that's unbelievable to me. I think Biff is always going to be the same type of bully. Yeah. But what I do think was believe, would be believable is that he stopped bullying George because now yeah. he knows that George will come back because that's how bullies are. You know, once you yeah. once you you know stand up for yourself, then you know you find out that they're not all that. Um. It's such a great movie. It's one of those like those those perfect movies where you know generational. It 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 hooks still because yeah. the beginning it takes. I was sitting there th- sitting there. I was like, man, this is taking like it takes like a good thirty minutes, twenty thirty minutes to get into the whole time travel thing. What was it they were saying that you don't even see uh, who is it like you don't see for- Doc until the mall because you see, yeah. you hear him on the phone at the beginning. Yeah. But you don't even see him until they're yeah, in the they parking said something lot. Like, like 45 minutes to an hour before you actually see Doc. I think, yeah, because I wanted to say 30, I was like, well, maybe it's 20. But I'm pretty sure it's a good 30 minutes before we even actually get into the time travel. Yeah. Like, then we're at the mall. Then we're doing it. But there's a lot of setup. But even it's good. That I like it. being said, I had my son and yours here. We were watching it. And your son didn't quite get much into it. But like. Why? Did he have his phone in his hand? I think he was tired or yeah. whatever because he, he did fall asleep. But. Um, but like Henry, you know, he, he, 
loved it and he wants to he likes to see a lot of action and different things like that but the story caught him really good uh, Michael J. Fox was a huge part of it if you see what they were doing with Eric Stoltz versus Michael J. Fox mm-hmm. it's just night and day the way they do the way they the way they did it you know and his first his first um, line basically you know was wait a minute wait a minute doc uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean the way I see it if you're gonna build a time machine into a car why not do it with some style and that was like his first and they said like once they got on set and he did that first scene uh-huh. they were like okay we got this this is yeah. gonna be a whole different movie because there was a comedic aspect into it instead of Eric Stoltz who wanted to do this more serious and even the weather was darker when they were filming Mm -hmm. so uh, you know it was a huge change and this is actually a big thing for Michael J. Fox because when they got him he was still doing family ties so he would do family ties in the day (coughs) and then he'd get into a a station wagon Mm -hmm. which they put a mattress in the back of and he would sleep going from family, family ties to the back to the future set you know barely have time to read scripts and everything but he would sleep between you know the drive from one place to another and then that's why they had so many night scenes back to the futures because mm-hmm. he was doing you know family ties in the day so this dude was barely having any sleep and everything and he was yeah. still performing um, just yeah it's such a tragedy to me to think of all the things that he could have gone with his career now he's still done amazing things yeah. and you know his guest spots and like scrubs and you know, well, Spin City and different yes, things like that. I was like about that, to say, you know. with, with, with uh, Joe Rogan, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's Joe crazy. Rogan was in that, too. He had hair back then. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't as as, as big. No. Know. I mean, like, he's been doing, you know, his... Um, MMA stuff. His fighting stuff since he was a teenager. He yeah. was doing competitions. But, yeah, he wasn't into it like he is now. But, you know, Terry Hatcher was in Two Days in the Valley, too? Yes, I did. It's not like I'm still looking it up. It's just on my computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever, but... Um, anyways, I really enjoy this movie. If you get a chance to watch it, watch it. It's on uh, is it HBO Max. I watched it on Prime. It's, no, it's on Peacock. That's right. It's on Peacock, but you can get it on Prime as well. Uh. Um, it's it's a great movie. Watch two and three if you feel like kind of continuing the story, seeing some other things that happen. Just know that it's not like the gold that the first movie yeah. is. Um, I don't know if you like the West as- Western aspect to it. I, I did like the third movie a lot better than I did the second yeah. one. But it's Definitely. still, neither of them are, are even close to being as great as the first one. Yeah, so. absolutely. Watch this movie with that in mind. Watch it in mind uh, that, that the main characters of the story is George and Lorraine and what happens with them. Um, I think you might get a little something out of it yeah. or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh do you have anything else to say about this? Yeah. Your favorite uh, scene was the one in the town square? Correct. Going around? Correct. Cool. Yeah, my, like I said, my favorite scene is uh, the um, the uh, George finally standing up for himself and becoming a whole different person. And you forget how uh, just handsome and, you know, uh, piercing eyes and everything that Crispin Glover does because he's playing, like, kind of weird characters all the time. But... He's actually a, uh, you could actually see him moving into a role with confidence as a, as a person with confidence and everything, even though he kind of plays weird as a little better. So, uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the post credit podcast, except for Twitter. We're at the post credit. Our email address is the post credit podcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. And we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time and make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs>